1: Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Stars Daily Sports Podcast. It's Thursday, May 4th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. The last event I attended and covered before the NFL draft roared through Kansas City was the Missouri Tigers Come Home Tour at Chicken and Pickle on 137th Street. This is the annual event where Mizzou coaches and athletic officials circle the state in something of a goodwill tour, a reach out to fans. Before the coaches speak to the fans, they meet with reporters, and those interviews are what you'll hear today. Football coach Eli Drinkwitz speaks to life with new offensive coordinator Kirby Moore and how that will impact play calling. Also, Drinkwitz had some interesting thoughts about the Patrick Mahomes effect on college football when it comes to evaluating quarterbacks in recruiting. Then you'll hear basketball coach Dennis Gates define his first year leading the Tigers program. So many good things happened to Mizzou, including the first NCAA tournament victory in more than a decade. Finally, you'll hear my interview with the coach of Missouri's most consistently successful program, wrestling. Brian Smith tells us what it'll mean to have the NCAA championships in Kansas City next March. We kick off the show with a conversation with Matt Stahl, who covers the Missouri Tigers, and he covered the come-home tour for the Columbia Daily Tribune. That paper shares its coverage of Missouri athletics with the star. Now keep in mind, some of the date references will be off because we recorded the show last week. Okay, let's get started. Matt, it's great to see you in Overland Park, Kansas, uh, at the Tiger Club. Uh, gathering here, I don't know if
0: it's Tiger Club gathering. What do they call this? Uh, the Come Home Tour. Come Home Tour. Yeah, it's I like the that. Speaker, the speaker tour thing. Okay, yeah.
1: so we got to talk to basketball coach Dennis Gates, football coach Eli Drinkwitz. I just spent some time with wrestling coach Ryan Smith, and of course, athletic director Desiree Reed Francois is here as well. What, what are
0: what are these things about? What, what do you? What are they? Uh, what purpose do they serve? Well, for reporters there to come out here and <laughs> see if you know Eli maybe going to channel his inner Steve Spurrier a little bit. If we get a little Cance Bowl, you know, Orange Bowl without UT, (laughs) or Citrus Bowl without UT, or Free Shoes University. But, like, really for the coaches, I think it's just getting out, meeting people face-to-face. I think, you know, when these coaches can make these sort of face-to-face connections with fans, it's going to help them just convert somebody. So, you know, in times of trouble, you're going to have a little more support just having got out here and Shook hands, kiss babies, the whole deal. Typically,
1: you don't hear news being made at these things, do you? Not, not much news breaks?
0: Not generally, no. No, uh,
1: no. And so we talk to the coaches and really nothing on, on that front. But it's also, given the time of the year, it's sort of a wrap-up one school year, start to look ahead to the next school year. So let's do that. Let's let's look ahead to football a little bit. Um Missouri coming off a six and seven season. Eli Drinkwitz looking for his first winning record going into his fourth year as a head coach at Mizzou. I think there's a little bit of pressure on him to, to get it done this in, in 2023.
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. Especially given this is going to be his first year with like some stability on defense. It's his first year with a returning defensive coordinator and eight returning defensive starters. So like that side of the ball pretty well set. he just gotta like was the struggle last year. Gotta figure out that offense a little bit.
1: Get get the offense figured out. And for for men's basketball with uh, with Dennis Gates. Um, he, of course, to my question about uh, setting the bar, he totally dismissed that. Like, he, I've heard him do, you know, he did it at the end of the season. But that's okay. I get that. I love I lo- I love how he thinks about his team and his program. What? We- we- do they take a little bit step back next year? Or?
0: I mean, it's certainly possible, and you know, if fans listen to this, I assume it'll come out. Yeah, it'll definitely come out after the speeches we're about to yeah, so hear from the coaches. It's, it's but a, if you were if you were there and you're hearing this, you heard Dennis say He's got postseason depression. Uh, the team underachieved. Uh, <laughs> he's very thankful to have been hired by Desiree Reffrench. Well, he's got a few others. But yeah, I mean a step back is certainly possible, although I think mean, transfer portals still open, there's still some big names out there. I think Mizzou like theoretically last year's roster could be less talented than next year's roster. And I mean look at what he did last year with uh, Lindy's preview magazine, he called it a bunch of dudes from Cleveland State. <laughs> <laughs> he went twenty five games and probably should have gone a little further in the NCAA tournament. So I think yes, it's possible, I wouldn't expect it at this point.
1: Well, even if it's a, what I would define a small step back in terms of victory total or place in the SEC standing, I think they've got the right guy to keep Missouri uh, as a, an ins- a competitive team when it comes to NCAA tournament. They'll be playing into February thinking NCAA tournament. Uh, we're past the time of being out of it yeah. in February.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I think he, I think he learned from last year, and also, I mean, I've heard every coach I've ever covered, which to be fair, not as many as you, but they all talk about, you know, we're building culture inside this program, and Dennis is the first one I believe even a little bit on it. So I think the whole program is going to sort of take away some of those lessons from those games that they lost last year, where I mean, just like in that Princeton game, you know, you have some trouble getting some stops, the offense isn't firing on all cylinders, you're just missing shots. who knows? They can they can avoid those games. They can go deep.
1: All right, Matt. Thanks for spending some time with us.
2: Thank you. Offensive coordinator. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, hired an offensive line coach Brandon Jones from Houston. So that's been good. How uh, uh,
1: how does that impact play calling duties? Is that do
2: yeah? Kirby, continue to do no. It? Kirby's going to be the play caller, offensive coordinator. Yeah. Um, I don't have time nor the uh, energy to do all that now. It's going to be uh, totally up to Kirby. And obviously I'll have oversight from a philosophy standpoint and making sure I, I believe we're doing the right things. But uh, it's Kirby's offense. How's it going to look different?
1: What's going to be
2: different? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, there'll be different different plays, obviously, different design. Uh, But we still believe in the three things that that, uh, are, you know, our philosophy offensively, which is control the tempo, dominant downhill run game, uh, discipline detail, and unselfish vertical pass game, and then execution uh, in critical situations. So, you know, however we get those things done, that'll be up to Kirby. What do you like about
3: Jake? Who?
2: Uh, Garcia. Um, You know, I thought Jake had a good spring. Obviously, he's still trying to get accustomed to his teammates and learning the offense and figuring out his role, uh, you know, playing quarterback and what that entails. But, uh, you know, he's been able to come in and compete. Obviously, Brady wasn't competing in the spring, so he had a lot of really good reps. But, uh, you know, the competition really kind of starts now where he can fit in and, and can he gain up enough ground.
1: Brady's 100%. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. With the changeover to Kirby, have there been any, like, obstacles that you didn't envision? I mean, our defense. <laughs> our defense is pretty good, so it's been a little bit tougher. Uh, you know, this spring, obviously, we were getting – I knew we would be behind because we were going into a new offense, uh, but we're working through that.
3: You and Nick Saban and Ryan Day have played Georgia the closest the last two years. What? I, just that with 17 game winning streak how far can they go like, you guys gotta gotta play them every year
2: yeah i didn't i guess i didn't realize they had a 17 game winning streak they lead the country yeah among um,
3: other
2: things <laughs> I, I don't know i mean obviously coach is recruited really well he's got great schemes on both sides of the ball he's got really talented players he's got a great home schedule um so yeah kudos to them i have you know, paid much attention yeah. to what they're doing. We'll, we'll, yeah. I think we see them week nine. Yeah,
1: three of the four quarterbacks and get first ten picks tomorrow gonna to be SEC quarterbacks. Um, how have you seen that position evolve in the SEC over the years? It's just really, it's had great ones, but I don't know if this many good ones at the same time.
2: Yeah, I think that's uh, obviously uh, a signal to the change. Offensively to the offensive mindset that the league's had, uh, but also the transfer portal, right? Like players have been able to transfer in, and, and uh, that that obviously helps with your um, quarterback development. They He led you know, you've done these tour dates yesterday and today, and spoke at Lombardo's for lunch today, <laughs> and National Football Foundation luncheon. Is the reaction you get from fans who you meet different now versus it was a year ago. No, not really. I think there's a, you know, I think there's a difference between social media fans and active fans who see you face to face. It's easy to say things on Twitter, um, but face to face, there's a lot more excitement because there's actual investment. People are actually coming out, uh, spending their money to come visit us spending their money to go get tickets actually invested in a program instead of potentially burner phones burner accounts sitting behind the screen making comments that's two different types of fans the fans that i value the most are the ones that are actively engaged in our program on a day-to-day basis you know and actually investing in it so i don't get caught up a whole lot in uh the negative voices. I, I would say the very first time I was at the Lombardo's luncheon, there wasn't a seat there available, and there wasn't a seat available today. The entire restaurant was wow. was there. So no difference for me.
1: That's the National Football Foundation. Yeah. yeah,
2: St. Louis. St. Louis chapter. Yeah.
1: They have one here. I don't know if they have a Kansas they, they, chapter. They have it on the Kansas side. Bernie Kish used to run it. Oh, okay. But I, I don't think Bernie's right. health is good. Right. So. right. There is, yeah. Oh, you guys know, wow. become a defensive back to you. Uh, a lot of terrific corner safeties in the, in the program now. Is that um, uh, just a. You want that at every position, but you've got a lot of experience there and a lot of just, just talent. Uh, we talked about the SEC quarterbacks a little while ago. Is this a way to combat the you know, quarterback play in the league?
2: I mean, I think every position you recruit, you try to develop it to its fullest potential, and you try to recruit specifics that'll help them, you know, specific metrics that'll help them play at the next level, but you're never quite sure how good somebody's going to develop into. Um, you know, we're just right now, we're fortunate to have some really good players at those positions. Um, and I would say defensively, I mean, we're, we're fortunate to have really good players at a lot of the different positions and potential NFL prospects.
1: Speaking of which, what what
2: kind of player is an NFL team going to get with Isaiah McGuire? Yeah, they're going to get a a hard-working, tough, disciplined, full-of-character football player um, who maximizes his potential. Um, You know, you you talk about a guy who developed from a a 6'3", he grew, put on muscle, developed his technique and fundamentals to really maximize what he can do and can't wait to see where he goes. Is
1: there any benefit to having Super Bowl champion in your
2: state? Yeah, I think anytime you're associated with winners it helps. <laughs> um, and it's fun for us. Obviously we got a Super Bowl champ who's a Mizzou alum too, you know which is really cool. So yeah it can't hurt. So,
3: in the big picture, when you evaluate quarterbacks, do you see that Mahomes effect where guys will just go off schedule and try to do stuff? And is it more accepted by coaches? It's tough. you know, what i side on yeah. I'm looking out.
2: Off scheduled plays. Yes. I think it's become more of the norm for off scheduled plays. But I think that's also part of the uh, the uh, the normality of RPOs. Right? RPOs aren't always on time and in rhythm. Foot- you know, football used to be an on time in rhythm. Pass game used to be, you know, very timed up. Where hey, when my third foot hits, you know, it's plant, punch, drive, or throw, and and it's just not that way anymore. There's more of a maverick feel at the quarterback position, where guys kind of have freedom within the scheme to to make plays. And I think Andy Reid was one of the first to kind of accept that as the norm. And um, I think even with the expansion of the air raid offense you know where plays happen within a don't don't always happen within a timing sequence and even in the nfl you know i think maybe it was two years ago 50 percent of the touchdowns were off-scheduled plays so you know we kind of had this saying when 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 the play uh breaks down the play's just begun you know and so i think that's kind of the norm now
4: what how do you define
2: off-scheduled plays in that sense, for the NFL. Well, I think roll up, roll in a no, yeah. in a, in a typical drop back play, right? You're expecting the offensive line line to block for between 1.8 and 2.1 seconds, and the timing of the route may be, hey, we're running a three step slant, so it's a quick game for us. The quarterback from under center is going to take a three step drop when his third step hits the ball is going to come out. Well, you design a quick game, and all of a sudden. You take your third step, and the ball doesn't come out, and now it turns into a scramble drill. And now, you know, Patrick takes a three; it's not there. Now he takes another two, yeah. and instead of being in the perfect passing position, he now is in a, you know, square position, looking around, going, "All right, I'm, I'm going to check and make sure this guy's not going to tackle me in the rush, and then I'm going to run around and throw it deep." And they're going to catch it. You know,
3: when you see a guy or you evaluate a guy on film and fundamentally he does something wrong like throw off his back foot just like you just dismiss it and say oh there's possibilities
2: it
3: depends
2: all the above yeah okay yeah the the, the to me and I could be wrong on this the higher you go in football um the more tools you gotta possess and play within a the scheme right so like if you're a five foot eight quarterback, your your ability to create is going to be a little bit less the higher levels you go, unless you possess some sort of a skill that you got to either have explosive speed, speed, or incredible arm talent, so on and so forth. So, you know, Patrick Mahomes gets away with it a little bit because he's got unbelievable arm talent. He's got great speed. He's got great size. A five foot eight quarterback may not be able to do that as well because the D-line norms are gonna be six three or taller. The O-line's norms are gonna be six foot or taller. So, you know, all those things factor into it as you evaluate a player.
3: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: Here is Missouri basketball coach Dennis Gates.
3: And those that were excited about our upcoming uh, seasons, not just with men's basketball, but with women's basketball, football, and all of our sports alike. Uh, I'm excited about this part of our season. Uh, Postseason development, player development, staff development has been outstanding. Uh, We have two players, specifically Des Moines Hodge, who had an outstanding uh, Portsmouth Invitational Camp. Yesterday, he had his first NBA workout, uh, and those things are fluid, right? So we're excited about his future and where he can possibly go, but also Kobe Brown supporting that young man because we truly believe He's a first-round draft pick during this time. is He has to show uh, those GMs, those presidents, the exact same thing. Uh, the improvement that he had throughout the season uh, was on display uh, at all times. And I'm excited about uh, his upcoming pro career as it relates to pursuit of being a first-round draft pick. Obviously, he put his name in a draft with maintaining his college eligibility. The main question is, what, what is Kobe going to do? Well, he has to gather all the information that he can so that he can make a sound decision as it relates to uh, the level above us. So we're excited to support him in that. We're not putting any added pressure on him answering or asking whatever questions pertaining to his college career, but we're just wanted to be a support system for him. Questions? How proud are you of Kobe Brown? You took him over about a year ago and see his growth and now to be an NBA prospect. Well, that's the dream that young kids put in the hands of college coaches as it relates to their uh, playing player development. Now, they also put personal development and other development in your hands as well as mentors, but it's, it's almost like his dream is coming true right before his eyes, and he not only put it in my hands, he put it in Conzo Martin and his staff and our institution and city, so I'm excited that uh, we get to see and support him in this part of his life, his journey, but also try to figure out what the best plan moving forward is. And most of our guys are doing the same thing. He has great teammates who are supporting him.
1: You've set the bar pretty high at Mizzou in that first season. How do you follow it up?
3: Uh, I I would humbly disagree with you. Um, We underachieved, and, and I say that respectfully. I thought our team showed signs of growth. Uh, being a top 20 team in the country, being in the last postseason AP poll, those are things you look forward to, but I thought those things should have happened earlier in our season, uh, and I thought we should have cracked the top 10. Uh, Quite frankly, I thought we should have been playing beyond the first weekend of the NCAA tournament, but we ran into a hot Princeton program who really played well and made a lot of shots, and we wasn't the healthiest team at that time. We We were missing key components. Uh, and I'm excited about the growth that we can display uh, this time of the year. But I thought we underachieved last year, and I'm looking forward to building on it. You get
1: another Kansas City player, uh, in a transfer from the from the transfer portal. Tell
3: us yeah. about him. Uh, well, first of all, Aiden Shaw's development during this yeah. time is tremendous. Uh, he's doing a great job. Uh, you know, I'm excited about uh, his growth, his development, but also. His maturation. I think he's doing a great job expanding his game and understanding the things he needs to do to have a great season. Uh, but Tamar Bates is definitely a great, great piece of the puzzle. Uh, a young kid here from Kansas City as well, but also a kid that transferred from Indiana. Uh, you know it, that institution has a little basketball tradition. I'm excited about the teammate that he is and has has been but also what he can do between the lines. He gives us size for his position. He gives us versatility on both sides. He gives us a shooting uh, percentage that we are graduating with the loss of Moy Hodge and, and Drake Goldston. But we're excited about everything that he and his family uh, stand for. Quite frankly, I'll give you this story. When a kid sits in your office and pulls out a picture at the age of eight or nine sitting on the campus of Mizzou, because his dad was a graduate student there, getting his PhD, that means there's an emotional connection that I can't wait for him to put on a jersey because it's been in his heart for a long time. Let's go back to Aiden for a second. Yep. What's his next step in his the, development? The next step in his development, obviously, is to continue to grow maturation-wise with his physical strength. I thought he was just unable to do certain things because of physicality, but also, the growth of his ball handling, which he has Im- Im- improved in, and shooting. I think that comes with time. The confidence that I'm asking and, and expect him to have, it comes. And he has shown signs of it. We just got to get him consistent in which he is working uh, day in and day out in those areas, and it should be a great improvement. I'm looking forward to increasing his playing time. Dennis, have
0: you met fans on these tours now? I think we have been to all of them so far. How has their reaction to you change this year compared to when you were doing it last year?
3: Well, it's the same. And, and, and the, the part that stands out is their support for our logo. Uh, no matter where we are, you see a love and an affinity for Mizzou athletics, not just basketball, not just football, not just women's sports or even wrestling, right? We have an unbelievable support, fan base, and also alum first, second, third generations uh, of graduates I'm meeting, and that's, that's outstanding to, to get an idea of how deep their love and, and the introduction of their uh, connection with Mizzou goes. I'm looking forward to continuing to add to the memories, which I truly believe last season uh, was. It, it added memories to what their memories already are and was, and I hope to continue to add some special ones uh, to them.
0: And then you have shown up for more of these dates than I think any other coach has. Why are why are these dates, this tour, so important to
3: you? Well, the come-home tour is important because I'm asking our fans, no matter what is going on, to come fill up Mizzou Arena. And if I can ever repay them, it's in my time, me sharing time to come to these events. And that's why I walk around and try to meet everybody or take pictures with every single person because you never know how much that goes right how much it carries but i do know one thing they have shown up supported us and i want to support them and meet them the best i can the best thing that i can tell you that has happened on these come home tours is me seeing someone last year and remembering their name and that is outstanding and i, I look forward to seeing not only the same faces but some new ones
1: here's missouri wrestling coach brian smith i just wanted to ask you about um, um the NCAA championship's coming to Kansas City this year. It's been in St. Louis a gazillion times, right?
4: Since the last time it was. We've in hosted KC. it nine times when I was since I've been coach. Wow. Nine times and one time we were here. Were you the in, host here? I think it was the Big Twelve conference, if okay. I'm not mistaken. I don't think we were the host that year. I think it was the Big Twelve conference. So
1: what's the significance just, of it coming to staying in Missouri, I guess?
4: I love it. But, you know, obviously media attention. It's, yeah. It's, it's, three-day event that takes over a city and it's just the talk about wrestling then you get people in the building that normally wouldn't be at it and having it this is like the 11th or whatever time that it's been in the state since I've been the coach at Mizzou just the education just that people are being told about wrestling watching wrestling it just brings it to the forefront and that's important.
1: Yeah, and speak to how how it does take over a downtown. It's not just the championship; it's the convention. It's, it's everything.
4: It's everything. It's it's just it's the mecca of sporting. It's it's kind of like baseball in Omaha. It takes over Omaha. Wrestling fans just take it over, and they're there from Wednesday night to Sunday, and the wrestling goes for the three days in between. But they are there to have fun, and I. I think when you walk out of T-Mobile and you see the, what's there with the uh, electric, whatever is the power and light, yeah, power light. It, it's, it's amazing, so it's, it's going to be a fun week, and we return a really good squad, so, you know, we're going to be the reigning big 12 champs for two straight years, We've, we have five returning All-Americans, we have a national champ returning, we have a, so it'll be a, I know there's some, uh, been talk about this since it came out, with a lot of people circling. I remember I went to the Elam Brothers. As soon as it came out, I said, hey, guys, guess where nationals are? Zach's senior year, and it'll be Rocky's junior year. And they're like, where? I said, Kansas City. They're like, oh, I'm so pumped because this is where they're from. And so it's exciting. They're really, our, our whole, I was walking around my neighborhood a few days after the NCAAs, and I was on the other side of the neighborhood. I see this, uh, one of my guys i know and he's like hey i know it didn't you know i know you didn't go well at nationals." i'm like it wasn't that bad we took fifth you know we're fifth in the country we had a national champ five all americans but i go he goes but hey i'm buying tickets this guy has been to like one or two duels and the Hearns. he's like i know you've been talking about kansas city i'm buying tickets to kansas so our fan base is really fired up for this it's gonna be a fun time
1: did i read is it
4: we got some awesome. former guys, the McCormick oh, brothers, oh, all here. how about that? And the whole family, all the families.
1: Beautiful. Hey, uh, and just a quick thought on this idea um, being in the Big 12, is there just something about returning to that conference that, um, that it helps the program? It does.
4: I mean, for me, I'm going to coach wherever I'm at, and oh, yeah. we won the MAC for nine straight years, but I know our fan base was very vocal about it. We need to get back into the Big 12. We need to. We, and so when it happened, I, I could just sense the excitement. Our season tickets went up, and now you look—we set an attendance record. We're close to five thousand for a duel last year, and you know this year with Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and some big, big duels at Hearns, we'll pack the—you know—it's going to be. And then of course hosting right here, that the excitement for wrestling has never been higher. So that's that's the fun of it. I enjoy it. That'll do it for today. Thanks to Randy Mason
1: for producing the show and to our Sportsbeat KC staff of Monte Davis, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen. Tip of the cap to Matt Stahl of the Columbia Daily Tribune for sharing his insights. Morning Sports Edition is the best digital sports page in the nation. You get loads of local coverage of the Chiefs, Royals, Mizzou, KU, K-State, Sporting, The Current, plus national takes on the NBA and NHL, and so much more check it out at liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Beat KC, where we talk sports in Kansas City every day.